Bug Jargal by Victor Hugo, Chapter 16 Stunned by the cannon of the forts, by the cries of the fugitives, and the distant crash of falling buildings, I did not know in what direction to lead my men. When I encountered on the parade ground the captain of the Yellow Dragoons, who helped to guide us. I will not stop, gentlemen, to describe to you the picture which this lamentable fire presented. Others have painted these first disasters of Cap, and I must pass quickly over these recollections where there was so much fire and blood. I will content myself with saying that the insurgent slaves were, they said, already masters of Dondon, of Terrier Rouge, of the town of Unament, and of the unfortunate plantations of Lambay. This filled me with uneasiness, owing to its proximity to Acul. I made all speed to the house of the governor, Monsieur de Blancheland. All was in confusion there, including the head of the master. I asked for orders, and begged that instant measures be taken for the security of Acul, which they feared the insurgents had already threatened. He had with him Monsieur de Rouvray, the brigadier, and one of the principal landholders in the island, Monsieur de Touzard, the lieutenant colonel of the regiment of Cap, some members of the colonial and provincial assemblies, and several of the leading colonists. As I entered, all were engaged in a confused argument. Your Excellency, said a member of the provincial assembly, it is only too true, these are the slaves, and not the free mulattoes. We have long predicted it. You make that statement without believing it, bitterly answered a member of the colonial, otherwise known as the general. You say it to gain credit at our expense, and you are so far from expecting a real rising of the slaves that these intrigues of your assembly which, in 1789, augured the famous and ridiculous revolt of 3,000 slaves on Cat Mountain, when there was one national volunteer killed, and that most likely by his own comrades." I repeat, replied the provincial, that we can see farther than you. It is simple. We remain here to study the details of the colony, whilst you and your assembly go to France to make some absurd proposals, which ends with the reprimands of the national representation. Ridiculus mus. The member of the colonial assembly answered with a sneer. Our fellow citizens re-elected us unanimously. It was your assembly retorted the other, that caused the execution of that poor devil who neglected to wear a tricolored cockade in a café, and who commenced a petition for the mulatto Lacombe, which commences by these obsolete words, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It is false, exclaimed the member of the General Assembly. It is the struggle of principles against privileges, of Bossu and Crochu. I have always thought it, sir, that you were independent. At this reproach to a member of the Provisional Assembly, his adversary replied with a triumphant air, You confess that you are a white cockade. I leave you under the weight of that confession. The quarrel would have been pushed further if the governor had not interposed. Ah, gentlemen, what has this to do with the pressing danger that threatens us? Advise me. Here are reports that I have received." The revolt began this night at ten o'clock amongst the slaves in the Turpin Plantation. The Negroes, headed by an English slave named Buckman, were joined by the blacks from the plantations of Clément, Tremé, Flavie, and Noé. 
they set fire to all the plantations and massacred the colonists with the most unheard of barbarities. I can make you comprehend all the horrors by one single detail. The standard of the insurgents is the body of a white child on the point of a pike. A cry of horror interrupted Monsieur de Blancheland. So much, continued he, for what has passed outside. Within, all is confusion. Several inhabitants of Cap have killed their slaves. Fear has rendered them cruel. The calmest and bravest have confined their negroes under key. The poor whites accuse the free mulattoes of being the cause of these disasters. Several mulattoes have come near being victims of the popular fury. I've had to grant them a place of refuge in a church, guarded by a regiment of soldiers. Now, to prove that they have nothing in common with the insurgents, the mulattoes have asked me for a post to defend, and some arms. Do nothing, cried a voice which I recognized. It was that of the planter suspected of being a mulatto, with whom I had had a duel. Do nothing, Monsieur le Gouverneur. Give no arms to the mulattoes. You do not want to fight, then, asked a planter, brusquely. The other did not appear to hear him, and continued. The mulattoes are our worst enemies. Those alone are to be feared. I claim that it is a revolt, their revolt, and not the Negroes. What have the Negroes to do with it? The poor man hoped by his abuse of the mulattoes to separate himself from them entirely, and then destroy in the minds of the whites who listened to him the opinion which threw him out in this despised class. There was too much cowardice in this assemblage for him to succeed. A murmur of disgust rose up on all sides. "'Yes, sir,' said old Monsieur de Rouvray. "'Yes, the slaves have something to do with it. "'They are forty to three, "'and we should be in a serious plight "'if we could only oppose the Negroes and the mulattoes "'with whites like you.' "'The planter bit his lips. "'General,' said the governor, "'what do you think of the mulattoes' petition?' "'Give them weapons, governor,' replied Monsieur de Rouvray. "'Let us make use of every willing hand.' and turning to the colonist of doubtful color. Do you hear, sir? Go arm yourself. The humiliated planter slunk away, filled with concentrated rage. Meanwhile, the cries of distress which rang through the town reached from time to time the governor's house, and recalled to the members of this conference the subject which had brought them together. Monsieur de Blancheland hastily penciled a few words and handed it to one of his aide-de-camp, and broke the silence with which the assemblage listened to this frightful murmur. Gentlemen, the mulattoes will receive arms, but there remain other questions to be settled. The provincial assembly should at once be convoked, said the planter who had been speaking when first I entered. The provincial assembly, retorted his antagonist of the colonial assembly, what is the provincial assembly? Because you are a member of the colonial assembly, replied the white cockade. The independent interrupted him. I know no more of the colonial than the provincial. There is only the general assembly. Do you hear, sir? Ah, well, gentlemen, said the white cockade. I say for my part that there is only the national assembly of Paris. Convoke the provincial assembly, laughingly replied the independent. 
as if it was not dissolved the moment that the General Assembly decides to hold its meetings here. A universal exclamation broke out in the audience, tired of this odious discussion. "'Gentlemen,' cried a planter, "'whilst we are losing time with this nonsense, what is to become of my cotton and my cochineal? "'And my four hundred thousand plants of indigo at Lambay,' added another." "'And my negroes, for whom I paid thirty dollars a head all round,' said the captain of a slave ship. "'Each minute that you waste,' continued another colonist, "'costs me, watch and tariff in hand, ten quintals of sugar, "'which at seventeen piastres the quintal makes one hundred and thirty livres, ten sous in French money. "'The colonial that you call general usurps,' continued the other disputer, overpowering the tumult of voices. It remains with Port-au-Prince to fabricate the orders for two leagues of ground and two days' duration, but that she leaves us alone here. Cap belongs to the Provincial Congress of the North, and only to her. I claim, continued the Independent, that His Excellency the Governor has not the right to convoke any other assembly than the General Assembly of the Representatives of the Colony, presided over by Monsieur de Cadouche. "'But where is he, your president, Monsieur de Cadouche?' demanded the white cockade. "'Where is your assembly? Four members have not yet arrived, whilst the provincial are all here. "'Is it that you alone wish to represent an assembly, a whole colony?' "'This rivalry of the two deputies, faithful echoes of their respective assemblies, "'continued until the governor intervened. "'Gentlemen, when will you ever finish your eternal assemblies?' Provincial, general, colonial, national. Will you aid the decisions of this assemblage by making it invoke three or four others? Morbleu, said Monsieur de Rouvray, in a voice of thunder, striking the table violently. What accursed talkers! What do we care about these two assemblies, which dispute the step like two companies of grenadiers marching to an assault? Ah, well, I summon both of them. Your Excellency and I will form two regiments to march against the Negroes. We shall see whether their guns will make as much noise as their tongues. After this vigorous outburst, he turned towards his neighbor, it was I, and whispered, What can be done between these two assemblies which claim sovereign rights equal to the King of France? They are fine talkers and advocates who spoil everything here as well as in the capital. If I had the honor of being lieutenant governor for the king, I would throw all these rascals out of the door. I would say, the king reigns and I govern. I would take the responsibility of sending all these pretended representatives to the devil, and with a dozen St. Louis crosses, promised in the name of his majesty, I would sweep away all the rebels in the island of Tortu, formerly inhabited by brigands like these. Note what I say, young man. The philosophers have created the philanthropists, who produced the negrophile, who are responsible for the mangeurs de blanc, who are thus called whilst waiting for a Greek or Latin name. The fictitious liberal ideas, which elate all in France, are poison in the tropics. One must treat the negroes with gentleness, but they must not be upset by sudden liberation." All the horrors which you see today in Santo Domingo are born in the Massiac Club, and this insurrection of the slaves is nothing but the counterpart of the fall of the Bastille. Whilst the old soldier thus explained to me his political views, 
rather narrow-minded, but full of frankness and conviction, the stormy argument continued. A certain planter, one of the small number who partook of the revolutionary frenzy, and who called himself Citizen General C., because he had assisted at a few sanguinary executions, exclaimed, "'We must have punishments rather than battles. Nations wish terrible examples. Let us terrify the Negroes. It was I who quieted the revolt of June and July by lining the approach to my house with fifty slaves' heads, like palms. Let each one join the proposition that I am going to make.' Let us defend the entrances to Cap with the slaves who still remain. How, what imprudence, was heard on all sides. You do not understand me, gentlemen, replied the citizen general. Let us make a ring of negro heads around the city, from Fort Picolet to Point Caracol. Their insurgent comrades will not dare to approach us. I must sacrifice for the commune cause in a like moment. I dedicate myself first. I have five hundred slaves who have remained faithful. I offer them. A movement of horror greeted this proposition. Abominable, horrible, cried all. Steps of this sort have lost all, said a planter. If the execution of the insurgents of June and July had not been so hurried on, we should have held in our hands the clue to the conspiracy, which the acts of the executioner cut. Citizen C. was silenced for a moment by this outburst. Then, in an injured tone, he muttered, "'I did not think of having been suspected of cruelty. "'I am connected with the Negrophile. "'I correspond with Briscoe and Pruneau de Pomme-Gouge in France, "'Hans Sloan in England, Magas in America, "'Pesle in Germany, Oliverius in Denmark, "'Wadstiom in Sweden, Peter Paulus in Holland.' Avendano in Spain, and the Abbe Pierre Tamburini in Italy. His voice rose as he ran through the names of the Negrophile. He terminated, saying, But there are no true philosophers here. For the third time, Monsieur de Blancheland asked if anyone had anything further to propose. Your Excellency, cried one, here is my advice. Let us embark on board the Leopard, which lies at anchor in the harbor. "'Let us put a price on the head of Bookman,' exclaimed another. "'Send a report of what has taken place to the governor of Jamaica,' suggested a third. "'A good idea, so that he may again ironically send us five hundred muskets,' sneered a member of the provincial assembly. "'Your Excellency, let us send the news to France, and wait.' "'Wait, wait!' exclaimed Monsieur de Rouvray. "'And do you think that the blacks will wait?' And do you think that the flames that encircle your town will wait? Monsieur de Tuzard, let the tocsin be sounded, and send dragoons and grenadiers in search of the main body of the rebels. Your Excellency, form a camp in the eastern division of the island. Plant military posts at True and at Valliere. I will take charge of the plain of Dauphin. I will direct the work. My grandfather, who was field master of the Normandy regiment, has served under Marshal de Vauban. I have studied for Lord and Bezou, and I have had some practice in the defense of a country. Besides, the plains of Fort Dauphin, nearly surrounded by the sea and the Spanish frontier, have the form of peninsulas and protect themselves. The peninsula of Mole offers a like advantage. Let us use all that, 
and act. But let us lose no more time, for the moment for action has arrived. The positive and energetic speech of the veteran hushed all differences of opinion. The general was right. That secret knowledge which everyone possesses most conducive to his own interests caused all to support the proposal of General de Rouvray. And whilst the governor, with a warm clasp of the hand, showed to the brave officer general that he appreciated the value of his counsels, even though they had been given as orders, and the importance of his help, all the colonists urged for the immediate carrying out of the proposals. The two deputies of rival assemblies alone seemed to separate from the general adhesion, and murmured the words, "'Encroachment of the executive power, hasty decision,' and responsibility. I seized the opportunity to obtain from Monsieur de Blancheland the permission that I so ardently desired, and I left in order to muster my company, to take the road to Acule, in spite of the fatigue which overpowered all, except myself.' 